Hey there, fabulous teacher. Have you been wondering how to make writing time in your classroom more effective for your students? Do you want your students to love writing time? If so, I think it's time for you and I to start transforming your writing instruction. I'm Melissa Morrison, and I have a passion for helping teachers to feel confident in teaching writing and help them grow successful writers. I've worked with numerous teachers to guide them through this transformation, and in this podcast, I bring you the practical strategies you need to make writing the best time of your day. Let's get going. Hey there, writing teacher, and welcome. Thank you for coming back if you are coming back and thank you for listening if you are a first time listener i am talking today about your students are writers right now and i really love this i love this idea of thinking about this i know that there's a lot of a lot of different ideas about how writing should be taught. And I'm sure you've heard many different things, many different ways, many different processes for writing, whether it's because of a program that your school has purchased, whether it be included with your reading program or, you know, your writing program alone. Um, You have probably heard different people talk about different ways. You have probably seen different things on social media. You've seen things on Teachers Pay Teachers. If you've listened to other podcasts, you might even hear different things about um, ideas for how writing should be taught. And, you know, I think that in general when teaching, one of the things that we've talked a lot about is the gradual release of responsibility. And I believe in that. And I certainly believe in using that within a mini lesson. Um, But I don't necessarily think it's something that we should think about with writing in general. And let me tell you more about what I mean. So I've heard some teachers, whether it be on or seen seen or heard about some teachers or um, those that help with teaching, uh, teachers teach writing, help teachers teach writing. I've heard people talk about not having students write independently until something else happens first. So whether they've taught them a few things or they have modeled something a few times or they have showed them enough mentor text or they have done enough shared writing. I I really, I, I, I say this because I'm surprised about it, but I've heard teachers say that they don't have students write anything <laughs> during writing time for a while even sometimes before, until, you know, they've done what they think they need to do in order for them to be ready to write. Um, And I'm wondering if you're one of those teachers or if it's something that you've thought about, you know, am I having them do too much too soon? Um, And I, so I wanted to talk about a few things that have really helped me to feel comfortable with having students write from the very beginning, regardless of the grade that they're in or the level that they're on. So that's what I kind of wanted to talk um, about today so that you feel confident in allowing your students to write from the very beginning. So one of the first things I want to um, talk about is coming from The Art of Teaching Writing, which is was written by Lucy Calkins. And in chapter six, which is entitled The Foundations of Literacy, Writing in the Home, the Nursery School, and Kindergarten. Um, just in the first couple of pages um, is where I think some really powerful, 
powerful ideas and thoughts and things to, to really consider are written. Um, she talks about how she had a friend who said teaching writing in nursery school, like, I don't believe in that, but she, but because she said they need to play, right? Play song, dance, art. And Lucy says, Miss Calkins says that adults have turned writing into an exercise on lined paper into a matter of rules, lessons, and cautious behavior. But children view writing quite differently. For them, it's exploration with a marker and pen. And long before they come to school, youngsters leave their mark on a foggy car windows or the wet beaches. They... And then she goes on to say, and I'll just kind of paraphrase, they they leave marks on their living room walls, you know, on a list that they make when they're playing um, the house at home or going to the grocery store. And so we as adults, she says, may not believe in writing for preschool children, but the children believe in it. And I want you to think about if you have children or you, you know, know of um, a family member's child or just thinking about teaching, especially if you're with the younger ones, can you imagine not allowing your child at home to write, like thinking, well, they can't write because they're not ready for it, or not having preschoolers ever get a marker or a pencil or a pen out to write something. And remember, writing is also drawing. It's also scribbling. It's also symbols. That is all writing. Because when we think about writing as a way to communicate, all of those things that they could do are writing. It is writing. And one of the best parts here, I just think it's so helpful um, and really just making you think about it, that um, I'm going to show just a couple more sections. Let's say she talks about babies learning the power of speech. And so let's say a baby is sitting at the high chair and banging their high chair and saying, ma, ma. And that even though the baby might just be making sounds, those around the baby are thinking, oh, they're saying more, more. They want more and we rush and bring it to them. And so they learn the power of what they're saying because we do something, you know, because of what they said. And she goes on to talk about, imagine if a baby, you know, a young child um, or toddler, I could say, are saying the words da, 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 or saying da, 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 da. We would never imagine responding by saying, oh no, he's saying daddy incorrectly, she says. He isn't ready for whole words yet. He needs to drill on the da sound. But no, we don't even regard da, 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 da as wrong, but rather as an approximation of adult language. When the baby says da, 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 we marvel at what the child can do, she says. And so we honor this approximation, and that's how also they learn they learn language. But we know that this error that they're making is not a problem because we know they're going to make errors. They they have to make errors because they're still learning. And she also talks about, you know, we're not going to make sure that that children only hear words that are in, you know, the the um we hear all the phonetics of the word. And we don't just teach one part at a time. We say words. We talk to them um, the way we talk to each other, unless you're really doing baby talk, you know. But And that's how they learn. 
And that really was just like, wow, yeah. I mean, when we think about teaching writing, we so often see what's on their paper and just think, okay, you know, they're not ready yet. Okay, they're not there yet. Oh, they're not really writing yet, but they are. Whatever it is that they are doing on their paper is writing for them. And our job is to understand and, you know, find out and help them with why they're putting these things down the paper and teach down on the paper and also to be teaching them that there is a reason for write, writing, that we write for a reason, um, that they are able to communicate with it. And then we continue, you know, to teach them the things that we know they're ready to teach. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't allow them to write. They are writers right now. Something else I wanted to share came from a workshop that I attended where Kate Roberts and Maggie Beattie Roberts were the presenters. And um, if you don't know who they are, Kate Roberts is, they're both authors and literacy consultants. Kate Roberts wrote the book, A Novel Approach, which many um, upper grade teachers may have read. And she and Maggie together wrote DIY Literacy. Um, and I believe they both have other titles under their um, under their names, but, um, this workshop in this workshop, I don't remember what the title of it was, so I do apologize, but they were talking about the way we have students, um, grapple with learning, I think was the main, the main idea. And they likened it to swimming. So they really did a great job of storytelling with one of their children who, so they are a couple, sorry, they're married, I believe. Um, one of their children who was going into swim lessons and they just really talked about how the um, coach or trainer was with the student, with their child in the way um, they got them in the water right away, pretty much right away. Um, they then give them this support as they need it and let go of that support as they think they're ready and then provide that support again when they need it. Um, but that they basically, the, the gist of it is that they have to get in the water. We cannot learn to swim if we do not get in the water. And a lot of times we don't allow our students to get in that water enough, you know, and I think that really is the case with writing as well. We can't teach them everything they need to know and then start writing and be perfect at it just in the way that we can't do that with swimming. You could not, there is no amount of knowledge you could, you could provide them or ways that you could demonstrate it on your own without water. And even if you were in the water, it, it's not going to happen until they get in the water. And I usually use this somewhat of a similar analogy, but thinking about like coaching soccer, teaching soccer, you, I can't imagine that you ever teach soccer to a player without having them start to play soccer in some way. I know for the littles, sometimes their soccer practices are just games where they kick the ball. Um, and I mean games like, you know, they talk about, I don't even know, I don't remember what they all, all were when my daughter was little, but they do these kind of training things and they don't even always use real soccer words. But if you're really, if, when they're a little bit older, but even then they're still kicking the ball, right? We don't make sure they know all the things about playing soccer before they actually start to do something 
by way of playing soccer. They have to get in there and do it. And then we look for the progress and we try to see what it is can we, what can we show them to help move them on that maybe we show to the whole team, but then we know that each individual player is going to have a different level of that skill and we're going to have to, you know, work with them on a different level, but you have to get them in the game. And it's the same way with writing. There is no reason, in my opinion, to prevent them from doing any writing before you, you know, you don't have to teach them all these things before you actually let them write. And you might be thinking, but they're going to do it wrong. Yeah. So will the soccer player. And so will the swimmer. So will the baby learning to talk. They all do it wrong. And then they do it right. Right. They eventually learn and we teach them and guide them and support them along the way. So, yes, they are going to write incorrectly. They're going to write at the level that they are able to write right now because they are writers right now. Um, but they're going to do that. And then we're going to look at it and see what we need to do to continue to help them. And so in addition to talking about those, you know, things that came up for me that really helped with this understanding of, you know, letting students write um, as they are right now, I wanted to also add this idea of looking at writing pieces as an assessment and as a continual assessment, whether it be the pieces that they're writing throughout the unit or at the piece that they're publishing at the end of the unit or the piece that you're doing as a baseline writing assessment or, uh, you know, a pre-unit assessment, like an, a pre-on-demand or a post-on-demand. All of those writing pieces are assessments. And I don't mean assessment in the way of finding a grade. I mean an assessment in the way of trying to see what it is the students are doing right now. So instead of looking at the writing as how can we fix the writing? I want you to think about the writing as the tool for helping to figure out where your writers are, what are they doing well, and what might they need help in. And I had found um, a quote from another book. It's called First Grade Writers by Stephanie Parsons. And in it, um, she talks about units of study and how she organizes um, the writing year for first graders. However, when she's talking about getting ready to teach a unit, one of the things that she does is consider her students. And she uses the student work to assess accomplishments in a unit that they might be finishing and then also what they need to learn in the units to come. Because as we know, even though genres may have different aspects, um, features, ways to structure them, we know that writing in general has a lot of the same concepts across all genres. And so I wanted to read an expert excerpt, sorry, from the book. She says, published work tells me how students shape a piece of writing. I learn how much ownership they take of their writing and how they use writing and revision strategies. I look at this work with questions in mind about the writing and the writer. And, you know, I've spoken before about, um, one, teaching the writer, not the writing, but then also knowing that there's more than just you know, what's on the page. However, we do want to sometimes use the page. We want to use the writing to see what it is that they are able to get down. Um, and then other information comes from conferring and from observing students. But I just wanted to share that because I think it is important to think about 
the writing as just the guide for us. You know, this is the check-in. This is the, you know, to the ability to see what it is that they are mastering when they write, um, how they choose to put things together. So especially if you are thinking about their published piece, they've go, gone in and chosen the piece they want to work on. And a lot of times for the younger students, the last writing piece they've done, but they choose the one they think is the best and they, and they put their final touches on it, right? And they use all they know. They're supposed to try to use all they know in order to make it the best it can be. And, and there's a lot that you can gain from that. Um, and so I think that's a really nice mindset shift to help thinking of writing the writing piece in that way. So I really hope this episode has been helpful in just kind of thinking about why it is important for writers to be able to write independently right where they are. Writers, your writers are writers right now. Um, let them show you what they can do. It doesn't have to be correct, whatever you, you know, you're having in your mind that that might be. They are going to do what they can do and they should be able to continue to do it and practice it until they're, they're taking in something new and they're able to apply it. And it's just like so many other aspects of learning that we do. And think about using the writing that they're doing as their assessment to show you the feedback that they are showing you so that you know what they're capable of and what they might need to learn next. Thanks so much for listening, and I will talk to you next time. Happy writing. again. I am so happy to have had you listen in again today. I would like to ask a little favor. If you're enjoying the podcast, could you take a moment to go wherever it is that you listen and write a review and tell others what you find um, so great about these episodes? I would love to be able to share it with more teachers to help them in their writing instruction, just as hopefully I've been helping you. Thank you so much.